Great. Morning, everyone. Great to be here with you. Um, so it's my privilege this morning to, to share the sermon with you. I'm here today with my beautiful wife, Zahn, sitting in front, and uh, our respective families. So um, just would like to say thank you for taking the time to be here. Those watching online, thank you for, for taking the time, even if it is later in the week. It's a privilege to, to share the word with you. Um, we're in a series called Origins. We're looking at and focusing on the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, right? So for those of you maybe you're not aware or don't know, that Genesis is the first book in the Bible. A very short summary, God is there in the beginning. He creates everything. On the seventh day, He rests. Adam and Eve, we refer to them as, the, or they are the first humans created. Uh, they put in the Garden of Eden, work it, favorable conditions. However, they sin by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and therefore are banished from the garden, right? That moment where they sin is referred to as the fall. So in the sermon, we're going to be talking about the fall, and we're also going to be talking about the seventh day on which God rested. Right, so let's get to this sermon. Last week, we looked at the beginning of humanity. Next week, we're going to be looking at the beginning of marriage. But this week, we're going to be looking at the beginning of work and rest. Right, so we're going to divide the sermon into four sections. We're going to start by defining work and rest. I just want to create... Uh, sort of good definitions for both work and rest so that we can see that the scope of this sermon is quite broad. And for most of you that, that are able to listen and are old enough to understand, this should be applicable to you. Then we're going to look at work from a biblical perspective. We're going to look at rest out of a biblical perspective. And then we're going to close off by looking at the importance of Sabbath rest. Right, so without further ado, let's get going. So we're going to start by defining work and rest. So let me start off by saying the intention in this sermon maybe isn't to tell you exactly how you should schedule your life so that your work-rest lifestyle is in line with God's will. However, what I would like to do at the end is that I would like to point you in the direction to find that answer, right? So I'm not going to give you uh, hard, concrete answers maybe to the questions you might have, but I'd like to point you in the right direction. Right, let's define work. Last week, Garrett defined work as anything that creates order. I like that definition. It's quite good. Uh, we can also see it as anything that requires effort. Work is something that requires effort, right? Rest, something that we typically associate with recovery. Right, so considering these definitions, it's clear that, well, this applies to people that are working for an income. It applies to people that are maybe working for charity that aren't earning an income from that work. Stay-at-home parents, learners, students... Therefore, just falling back on what we've said, if you, most likely if you're old enough to understand this, you're most likely old enough to associate with both, both work and rest. And I really trust that this sermon will have something for you and you'll be able to take something away from it. Right, so that's defining work and rest. That's defining um, sort of the scope of this sermon. Let's now move on to the second point, work from a biblical perspective. Right, we're looking at work. Firstly, we're going to start off by looking at work in the context of Genesis before the fall, right? So remember that thing that Adam and Eve did, they sinned. So we're looking at work before then. Genesis 1, verse 26 to 30. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky 
and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath and life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Let's quickly look at Genesis 2 verse 15. Also before the fall, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. I'd like to highlight two key points here. The first one is that the conditions in which work took place before the fall was definitely more favorable, right? The, the way in which the earth reacted to us and the way in which it produced food allowed us to maybe spend a bit less effort having to work to eat and work to sort of cultivate food and maybe a bit more effort into ruling and subduing, right? Quite a, quite a, privileged, quite a privileged environment to work in. But it's clear that work originally was part of God's plan, albeit today it was in a different environment compared to the, the world post the fall where we live in today. Right, that's work before the fall. Let's look at work after the fall. We're going to look at Genesis 3, verse 17 to 19. So we've defined work before the fall, something work took place out of a position of privilege. However, it was there and originally intended as part of God's plan. Genesis 3, verse 17 to 19, work after the fall. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it. All the days of your life it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your fruit until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Right, so this is definitely a come down from what we've looked at previously before the fall, right? And I think a lot of you can associate. We, we work really hard just to survive until ultimately we die. Um, not, not super encouraging. Um, definitely not something that you wake up to on a Monday morning necessarily, but it's the truth, right? And it's the reality of work, right? We work really hard ultimately to survive until we die. And if that already, if you can't associate with that, I'd like to sort of give you two other examples of how this typically plays out, how this tension of work before and after the fall plays out. And the one is caring for the environment versus economic growth. So we see this argument, right? We are mandated originally definitely to look after the environment and take care of it. We, we can't doubt that. However, there's also an aspect that we need to put food on the table. We need to provide jobs. And we see this play out in politics. We see this play out um, over the news. And it's something that basically stems from the tension that exists because the world in which we, what we were created for no longer exists, and we have to live in this world when we need to fight for survival and ultimately work against the earth in order to provide a living. It plays out in having children versus being able to afford to have a family, right? So mandated before the fall, we were mandated to increase and fill the earth. But now, due to the fact that we need to work to eat, there's this added complexity that, that we need to actually be able to afford a family. We need to be able to have enough money to look after our dependents, right? We see this tension, and we can take it back to Genesis before and after the fall. Let's step away from Genesis, and let's look at the New Testament. Let's look at what else the Bible has to say regarding work. We're going to look at 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6 to 10. For the purposes of this sermon, I'm just going to read uh, the sections underlined. Verse 7, latter section, we were not idle when we were with you, Paul writing. The latter section of verse 8, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, 
so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Verse 9, we did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. The latter part of, part of verse 10 echoed, echoes Genesis, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Let's look at 1 Timothy 5 verse 8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's, uh, that's hard, but it's true. Ephesians 4 verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Right, so I've gone through these three verses quite quickly. Let's just stop and let's just summarize here. So we see Paul calls us to imitate them as they work really hard. So hard work is good. It's something that he's writing to the church in Thessalonica, but that's applicable to us as well. Hard work is good and it's something that we are called to do. Right? We see echoed and we see it echoed in, or we see Paul echoing it in Thessalonians, something that's said in Genesis. We work to eat. We work to provide our basic needs. Timothy, Timothy says not only our own basic needs, we need to work to provide for our dependents and relatives. We need to provide for our family. Right? We need to work to do that. We need to work in order that we may be generous. Right? Ephesians says we work so that we may be generous. We work so that we can share with others. Right. I'm going to stop here on work. Right. We see it's pretty straightforward. We see it's very challenging. I think especially that Timothy, it's, it's quite serious, the implications for not providing for our family, for having the ability to take care of our family and not doing it. We see that work is therefore an important part of our lives as Christians today, and it's something that we are definitely called to do. What we see work not is, right? So what we don't see is that we find lasting fulfillment in work itself, all right? And I want to just pin that here. What we don't see is evidence that work ultimately gives us lasting fulfillment, that work can on its own satisfy our souls. That's what we don't see work is. As a matter of fact, work is tough. We see work is tough. We see it in Genesis verse three, uh, chapter 3 when we look after the fall, and we see that echoed in Thessalonians where Paul says we toiled, right? Referring to the work, uh, referring that same word used in Genesis 12, we worked hard. Work is tough, right? It's not intended to provide lasting fulfillments for our soul. Okay, let's stop there. Let's go on to rest. Let's look at rest in the context of Genesis, right? Genesis 2, verse 2 to 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And this is important. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating he had done. Right, short passage for rest, but very important. And I really want you to stay focused here. Um, so the work section and defining work and rest, the first two points were, were pretty straightforward. Moving now to rest and the importance of Sabbath rest, it's going to get a little more complex. So I really want you to zone in. I really want you to focus on what we've got to say here. Two key points here. Let's look at Genesis. It says, we know that reading Genesis 2 verse 2 to 3, we know that rest is good. God rested, rest is good. Right? Secondly, I want to say godly rest is holy. Why did God make the seventh day holy? It's because on it he rested. Now hold on to that thought. We're going to look at what the rest of the Bible says about rest. We're going to focus in particular on Hebrews. Right? Hebrews 3, verse 16 to 19. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Talking about the Israelites that came out of Egypt on the way to the promised land. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not the, all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned? 
whose bodies perished in the wilderness, and whom did God swear they would never enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. I want to really highlight this. They were not able to enter God's rest because of their unbelief. Right, hold on to that. Let's look at, so chapter 3 ends at verse 19. Hebrews chapter 4 starts with verse 1. So this is just a continuation. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, right? So if it still stands there, it still stands today. Entering his rest still stands. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For if also, or for, for we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. See here? Unbelief can't enter the rest. But we who have believed enter that rest. I want you to note here that this is not just a lie on the couch, take a sort of a Saturday off type of rest, right? This is a rest that's associated with the presence of God because we enter that rest through faith. Hold on to that. Hebrews 4, verse 9 to 11. There remains then a Sabbath rest, referring to the same rest that we've been seeing in Hebrews. Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Right, so I want to pause here. I want to go back to work. We looked at work in very much a physical sense, in very much straightforward Work to eat, work to provide, easy to understand. But now we're looking at rest, and we see a hint of it in Genesis that this rest is different, this rest is holy. And we see that confirmed in Hebrews when he says, we can't just merely enter that rest, we enter that rest through faith. But if we come to that rest in unbelief, we will not be able to enter. Right? And that, this rest is associated with the presence of God. This rest is holy. Right? And this rest, therefore, doesn't merely mean rest for our bodies. This is rest for our souls. Right, so I want you to see, we looked at work in a physical sense, but when we talk about rest, I'm talking about rest for our souls. Now you're going to ask me, how does that practically play out in my life? That's great. We can talk about rest for our souls, and that has an absolutely important sort of implication for many spheres of our lives, but how does that affect our work-rest lifestyle? How does that affect me tomorrow morning when I wake up and go to work? How does that change my life? Well, it changes your life in the following way, and I'm now moving on from rest. I'm moving on to the importance of Sabbath rest. Because this Sabbath rest is where our work-rest lifestyle, our physical work-rest lifestyle hinges on. Because the Sabbath rest refers to rest of the soul, right? It means that, and what I'd like to say here, is that your soul can only find fulfillment in Christ Jesus. Your soul will not find fulfillment anywhere else. Your soul can only find rest in Jesus. It can find rest nowhere else. And if you do not find that rest, and if you do not find that fulfillment in Christ and Christ alone, your soul will go searching for that rest elsewhere. You will start working, either find that in your physical occupation, or you'll work in some other way in order to find that rest. And you start living a restless life, like wandering in the wilderness, aimlessly looking for something that you're never going to find, because it can only be found in Jesus. Right? And therefore, because... The scope of work is limited, right? Because the scope of work does not include finding lasting fulfillment. We don't work to find lasting fulfillment for our souls. What we end up doing is we start making work something that it's not. And therefore, we live a work-rest lifestyle that's just from the get-go. Before we've even 
written a schedule before we've even decided which days to take off. From the get-go, our hearts are in the wrong place, and our work-rest schedule is not aligned with Christ because we are working, whether we like it or not. If we don't find our rest, we don't find our fulfillment in Jesus, we're going to work to find it someplace else. We're going to use work for something it was never intended to give us, lasting fulfillment. I want us to hold on to that because this is something that the world glorifies. The world glorifies finding rest, finding peace, finding fulfillment in something that we do. We see very inspirational movies and books about people doing amazing things. And somehow we get sold this lie that lasting fulfillment can be found in that. It can be found in innovation. It can be found in progress. It can be found somewhere in humanity. And that can be further from the truth. Lasting fulfillment and rest can only be found in Jesus. And we can only see work for what it is. Tough, hard we can only see it for what it is if our souls are fulfilled. We hold on to this false notion that somehow things are going to get better and somehow one day we'll find fulfillment. Maybe we'll travel to a destination that eventually gives us peace. That's a lie. We're going to wander and wander and wander until, until we die. Very much like the Israelites who never entered the promised land, just wandering in the wilderness but never quite getting there. If we don't look for that rest in Jesus... Adding on to that, and we're we sort of heading to a close now, I'd like to say that, you know, a, a lifestyle glorified by the world as being successful, as being just the next best thing, and, and, and many of you maybe will have examples of, of, of people that are being held up by the world as trophies, doesn't necessarily mean a lifestyle that is in sync with God. doesn't necessarily mean a lifestyle that finds its fulfillment in God. Very often, human achievement, that drive comes out of a place of trying to find fulfillment in that. comes out of a place of really trying to find fulfillment in what we're going to achieve. And I want to tell you that doing great things and, and achieving great things, there's nothing wrong with that. But if that comes out of a place of trying to find fulfillment in those great things, I want to tell you it's never going to fulfill you. And I want to tell you that that, that work is not aligned with, with, with God's will for your life. In summary, just in closing, I would like to... I would like just to highlight and, and just to go back and say, work is good. We need to work. Work is part of uh, what we were called to do as a church, and work is something that we're absolutely uh, required to do and mandated to do, make no doubt. But our work-rest lifestyle, the way we approach work and rest, must, must, must be founded on the fact that we find our fulfillment for our souls in Christ. Work cannot and will never be able to fulfill you, Right? Not work, and even you might even say to me, well, maybe not work, but I you know, want to travel, I want to do this. Even if you work in order to find different avenues of fulfillment, none of that, if, 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 if your fulfillment is, if you're looking for your fulfillment anywhere else than Jesus Christ, you're not going to find it. All right, and I really want to call you today. So I want to close off by just asking a few questions. The first one is, is your soul at rest? If you're going, sitting here today or you're listening online, I want to ask you honestly, is... Is your soul at rest? And this is to believers and non-believers. Are you still looking for fulfillment in your workplace? Are you still looking for fulfillment? Maybe you're thinking of, I don't know, going to another country. Maybe you're thinking of traveling. Maybe you're thinking of doing something. Maybe you sort of, you know, are you looking for that fulfillment in money? Are you looking for that fulfillment anywhere other than Jesus Christ? Is your soul at rest? And then I've already asked a second question, but if your soul's not at rest, where are you looking to find it? Where are you looking to find it? I want to say as a, you're sitting here today or you're listening online as a non-believer, I, I want to call you to Jesus. I want to tell you and I want to just 
reiterate, said it many times today. Your rest, fulfillment for your soul can only be found in Jesus. I want to tell you today, if you're listening here and your soul is at rest, uh, your soul is, is restless, you don't know, you're looking and you're searching, I want to tell you, and I want to call you to give your life to Jesus. I want to call you to call on the name of the Lord today and to commit your life to Jesus. He's the only one that can fulfill you. Whatever you choose, whether you choose to do it or not, I just want you to remember, whichever avenue you take, that only Jesus can fulfill your soul. To the believer, to the person who is a Christ follower, but maybe sitting and saying, you know, there are certain aspects of my life that I do still try and find fulfillment elsewhere. I do still try and find my fulfillment in, in my work. I still do try and sort of, I still, in a sense, believe that I'll find lasting fulfillment in, in things that can be found on this earth. I want to just call you to renewed faith and obedience. The writer of Hebrews says we enter that rest through believing, right? And I want to call you to faith in Jesus again. I want to call you back to the feet of Jesus and just to reprioritize. I want to call you to, to find your contentment in Him. All right, I'm going to close off for us in a, in a quick prayer. There's going to be a song playing, and I just want you to take just a few min minutes and just a few moments just to think about where your soul is at today. I want to think about, I want you to think about where you find your fulfillment. If anyone after the service, and it's going to be up when, I, when I'm done, anyone after the service would like any, any prayer or uh, would like to chat, there'll be elders in front here. Please make your way forward. Don't leave this place without doing business with God. All right, let's close eyes. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that, that you're a good God. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is here with us today. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us, Lord, to, to see work for what it is, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us, Lord, to, um, to make peace, Lord Jesus Christ, with the fact, Lord, that we won't find our fulfillment in this earth or through work, Lord, but that fulfillment, Lord, fulfillment for our souls can only be found in you. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that that would sink into our hearts, Lord, and that we that we'd really would write that, Lord, on the tablets of our hearts, Lord, that fulfillment, Lord, can only be found in you, Lord Jesus. Amen.